now recording. I pressed the button. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jamie Denbo. I am the voice and creator of the character Beverly Ginsburg. I have with me Mr. Sam Kiefer. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Um, so I am going to do something already. I think this is kind of different today. I was due to record um, some more quarantine material for Ms. Gisberg. If you are listening to this podcast, it's because you are and probably have been a fan for a really long time. And I do want to take a moment to just say that I love you very much. Thank you so much for always supporting this this comedy and this crazy character and everything that we've kind of been through together. And today... Instead of being Beverly, I want to talk a little bit. Oof, this is weird. Um, is this weird, Sam? Of course it's weird. But <laughs> good weird, yeah. Um, look, I know that a lot of people are probably here for Beverly's escapist life, but Jamie is finding it really, 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 really hard to separate from the world right now. And I think a lot of people are feeling that way. I tried to speak in Beverly's voice, and I realized that I am having a lot of trouble speaking as Beverly right now. And I think that there are some kind of interesting reasons behind that. If you've been with Beverly from the beginning, first of all, I want to talk a little bit. Do you, do you know how Beverly was created, Sam? I know I was still interning at UCB when I met <laughs> her. I don't know. I don't know if I was there <laughs> from the creation. You know, Rana and Beverly, uh, Rana played by the great uh, brilliant and talented Jessica Chaffin. You know, we we did these characters that were very much based on the women that we grew up with and the women who were still in our lives. And, you know, her character, uh, I don't want to speak too much about her character. That's really her point of view. But her character to me represented a really confident, um, somewhat judgmental, but very... Um, secure and she's just this incredible authority on all things uh just a smart bright sophisticated palette <laughs> um beverly representative more of some of the women that i grew up with started off and grew into this person who really thought of herself as open-minded and and uh sophisticated but wasn't and that was the joy in playing her was, you know, um, her absolute belief that everything she ever said and did was correct. The difference between Rana and Beverly is that Rana was usually correct and Beverly was really off. She was very lovable because of her flaws, because her flaws were always on display. And one of the things I have always said about Beverly is that, I mean, her racism and her, uh, her prejudice are, they're adorable. They're hilarious because we're laughing at the racist. Get it? We're laughing at, <laughs> at the ignorant. And, um, there've been many times over the years, um, where I realized that I wasn't as comfortable even pretending to be the racist, even pretending to be a person who just didn't know any better. And I still think there's value in that. I really do. I think that especially in the most sophisticated versions of it, you know, obviously Archie Bunker, I'm not going to dare to compare myself to great Carol O'Connor or Norman Lear's creation or anything like that. But certainly those were influences. I think, you know, another good example, and again, I'm not daring to compare myself to the great Dave Chappelle, but I think part of the reason that he had a 
a real meltdown and canceled his brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Comedy Central show was I think he felt that the line between making fun of racism and and perpetuating racism was just too thin a line. And I don't know if that's true about Beverly. I'm not in the audience. I don't know. Sometimes I've described going into Beverly as being like a fugue state. I don't even fucking know what I say. But I know that I'm not comfortable right now lending that brand of comedy to the world or putting putting new versions of it out there. I have no judge. If you like it, go back and listen. Please enjoy it. Um, I just don't feel like I can do it. Does that make sense, Sam? Yes, it does. I think everything you said makes sense. I think the fans who come to this show are all laughing at her. I don't think we've ever gotten any fans who are on (laughs) the side of her. and And I also, yeah, one of the things I've always enjoyed about being on the show, I'm also playing kids I went to high school with. What are the scummiest, druggiest, I can't do anything wrong pieces of shit that I grew up with? But I, and then over time, I do understand the idea that you're like, I hate this. Am I coming across that I fucking hate this? That it's funny that I'm being a selfish piece of shit because no one likes that person? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not actually like losing sleep overnight thinking like I've converted people to thinking that Beverly's <laughs> point of view. I will say this. I I just I think like a lot of people right now who um, come from, especially if you're someone who is lucky and privileged enough to, to do what we do and to entertain and to, you know, sit in my bedroom with a microphone right now and call it work and whatever else. Like a lot of people are just, we're, we're quiet. I want to be quiet. You know, I want to listen. I want to learn. I want to do what I can. Sam and I talked at length about this audience, about how to do an appropriate Beverly episode. And one of the ideas that was brought up, which I thought was kind of great, was to talk about all of the um, do's and don'ts of white people at protests right now. Mm -hmm. And just saying how Beverly had basically fucked up every single one. You know what I mean? She joined in the I can't breathe chant. She did the black power signal. She went over to the cops and like, you know, started screaming. One of the best videos I saw about how to be an ally in these protests started off by saying that, hey, white people, you are guests. Yeah. You are guests. And you're late. But you're still invited. Yeah. And I kept thinking of how amazing, because Beverly has never considered herself to not be invited somewhere or that gives a shit that she's late. This is perfect. In fact, this current season (laughs) is how late Beverly is. She's in a, a woman of a certain age who just now is like, you know what? There might be better ways to parent. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, going back to the evolution of Beverly, you know, so much of what, um, we did together in, in Rana and Beverly was this great, um, this great double act of interviewing celebrities and having a lot of fun and, and really intentionally trying to sneak good social justice messages into whatever we could do. For example, I'm, I'm super proud of a lot of the uh, LGBTQ positive messages that we got in there through our comedy. And I am confident that um, I got a lot of stuff right. And I am just as confident that I also got a lot wrong on many occasions. There is no question that that when when we interviewed I'll, I'll think of I'll I'll admit one right now we interviewed the brilliant Wyatt Senek on stage and he 
Beverly's whole point of view was how brilliant Hamilton is. Um, and he had a really strong, smart, sophisticated point of view about how he felt about Hamilton as a person of color and how he felt actually negatively. I'm not going to speak for his opinion. I think it's a really interesting opinion. And I think it's really, really fucking valid. And I can only remember being on stage and one part of my consciousness knowing that and another part of my consciousness saying, got to make it funny. Let's go, Beverly. Wind up the ignorance. I am not saying that it's not okay to laugh, but I am not in a place right now in my personal point of view where I want to to let this character go unchecked. For me, I, I can't hear her voice right now. One of the things we also talked about, Sam, was the performative gestures that people are inclined to do out of shame and guilt. Sure. Um, which, you know, is, again, well-intentioned. White people have a lot of accountability right now. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that because of that, there is an impulse to go out there and post photos of yourself um, and your children. Look at how woke we are. Look at how much we're contributing. I don't know what our place is right now besides listening, which is amazing because all I'm fucking doing right now is talking. And talking and talking. Um, But I do feel like I owe it to my incredible fans and if you are listening you are a fucking incredible devoted fan because i know that like you know it's it's not the biggest podcast in the world and it's not the most popular act in the world and this isn't beyonce and (laughs) you know i'm not i'm not delusional and i appreciate you having been here i don't know that's what i'm feeling i'm gonna let you talk for a second sam do you have anything you'd like to say first off i think where your head is at is in the right spot Almost everything you've said, I've been looking at from the beginning thing you were saying of who Rana and Beverly were to you based off people you knew growing up. For years, I would write sketches where there was always one very homophobic character because I Mm -hmm. grew up with those kids and they called me slurs and beat the shit out of me. And like I had this indignant part of me that would go, I hate them. And they're in there because we're laughing at them and they're awful. And then someone would come up to me and go, but yeah, but in the Quentin Tarantino way, how exactly how many times of using this slur is it now just, wow, that's a lot of that slur is what we're taking away. So I get the idea of looking back at everything and introspectively doing that. I think it's healthy and, and, and good. I do think Beverly, <laughs> along with you, is changing and, yes. and wouldn't... Uh, would be on a, a similar path and and wouldn't want to be performative as well. <laughs> well, what's interesting too is, you know, the way that the the character has developed in in recent iterations has been uh, she's been on a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. You know, um and I've loved that. I've loved that because I could get wilder and wilder with the more um introspective activities, the kind of things, whether it was yoga or massage or whatever it was, anything that involved her exploring a world that she wasn't born of or completely used to was a great way to 
to knock her on the side of the head and look at things differently. And I've loved doing it. And actually, you know, the parenting podcast, part of my idea for that, and Earwolf was so gracious and cool about trying it, was that, you know, one of Beverly's defining uh, features is being a terrible parent. Um, and I think, and a part of, and part of that is generational. Um, and, and by the way, only terrible in retrospect, you know, I mean, entire generations were parented the way that Beverly parented with benign neglect and, (laughs) um, you know, and a, a, a lack of sensitivity to all the things that we know children respond to as we move further and further and progress further and further with child development and everything else. And there was a lot of thought that was put into this podcast about how to bring in experts, real experts in, in areas of self-care and specifically parenting to enlighten, you know, it was like, wouldn't it be great if we have crazy host and real people. And it's not a formula that is new. You know, Jiminy Glick did that. Lots of people have done that and everything. Saturday Night Live, every other sketch is that. Um, But it it really, I thought it was, it was really fun to do. And I had a lot of fun doing it and I still maybe will have fun doing it again, but I am also excited to listen and to appreciate, appreciate the fact that, you know, I never had to feel uncomfortable at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater because, I mean, pretty much everybody looked like me. I mean, yeah. you know. One thing I wanted to reinforce is the idea of that you are allowed. I want to choose my words carefully sure. when I say allowed or not forgiven or whatever. There is a world where you can behave in a certain way, then go. I have now learned information and I'm going to change that behavior to go, Hey, I did that thing on stage. I was going for this thing. I've learned a thing and would now like to take that information and be better. There is an amazing podcast with Brene Brown called Unlocking Us. Um, But she does interview Ibram Kendi, who wrote the book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. He's very much in the dialogue right now. But one of the things that he says that I think is, is important to remember because I think it applies directly to the kind of comedy that I have done, the kind of comedy that we do, that we've created together, is that so much of the society that built the institutions that have oppressed people of color also kept us from being enlightened to the problem. And there is no, it doesn't help us to forgive me, to wallow in utter shame about culturally what we have collectively done. It helps to acknowledge it and to be accountable and to move forward. But shame actually is unproductive. Um, And I hope that's a relief in some ways, because my as as a Ashkenazi Jew <laughs> who is a white person, um, that's another one. That's a, that's another little institutional one that I would think I was fed throughout my childhood was that like, you know, it's like, you know, Ashkenazi, you're like, it's like a race. It's actually sure. not, not a race. And race itself doesn't it? Whatever. Meaning to be to be clear. Yes, Jews are white people. Um, there is no special distinction that says 
Ashkenazi Jews can get away with the whole, well, I'm not really like white, white thing. We are. And um, I don't get to take myself out of the white category when talking about the American systematic racism because I'm Jewish. And I, I actually do think that some Jewish people might feel that way. For sure, Beverly Ginsburg feels that way. Um, Beverly thinks she has no responsibility, mostly because she's Jewish. And, and you know, this is never going to be an argument over which is worse, the Holocaust or American history, because they're both pretty fucking bad. So there's just a lot of learning to be done right now, a lot of like bad um, information to be dissected. I am grateful that I got to be Beverly for as long as I have been able to. It has been so much fun. You know, I know my intentions were good. I still want to examine it. I think everybody, thank you, Anne Frank, everybody is fundamentally good, but we Mm -hmm. all have work to do. Um, And sometimes that work is just being quiet and listening and that's okay. And and that's sort of my MO right now. And I also want to use this time to think about where I am creatively, uh, for sure. Think about what I've done in the past, but also what I might do more of in the future. Um, If you follow me or Beverly, then you know that um, I made a show about a completely different aspect of my life and comedy journey when I actually worked at Renaissance festivals. It's called American Princess. You can binge all 10 episodes for 20 bucks on Amazon. There's the plug. But it is a show that celebrates um, love and differences and Shakespeare. And I am really, really proud of it. And I think it might even be a really nice loving message for right now. Um, for where we are in the world, because it is about inclusion and no, not specifically racial inclusion, but inclusion nonetheless. So there's that. I think I've said everything. Is there anything else you'd like to say, Sam? You've been such a good, I I just want to say for the record too, in addition to being such an amazing contributor to all things, Beverly and all things, Rana and Beverly in the past. um, I want the world to know that you're a really good friend. And you've been a good oh, person. You. And I think you're very expressive on, I'm off social media <laughs> because I can't. Um, but oh, when I, are you sure? It's great. Yeah. Come back. It's, this is super, <laughs> when I've been, do you know about TikTok? <laughs> Jamie, you, <laughs> when I have been on one of the things that's been really spectacular has been your, um, stuff about mental health. And, oh, and sweet. I think it's been really valuable to a lot of people who appreciate it. That's sweet. I I did want to add one minor thing. And I think it is kind of a mental health thing is there is like a delicate balance to being very fired up and very loud and very strong outwardly. And then internally being very soft and being very kind, like in terms of guilt and shame. One of my, it's a weird analogy, but one of my favorite things over the last year has been uh, taking cello lessons and I'm awful. Yeah, I'm terrible because I'm starting from scratch. And one of my favorite things is uh, before everything shut down, I would go to the Silver Lake Music Conservatory <laughs> and I would sit down for an hour. It was this great Russian woman named Elizabeth. Amazing. She would go, here's what I want you to play. And then she would show me. And then I would come back that next week and I would go like this. And she would go, nope. <laughs> Every week for 52 weeks. And I pre- I tried. So I'm, I'm making the bare minimum progress a human being. And at some points, at one point she goes, 
you are getting worse. And I went, I am practicing four, four hours a week. But just remind yourself to treat this like learning anything. If you are feeling like, oh, I, I guilt and shame and I don't feel a lot. You're allowed to read a book and then that next week go like this and they go, nope. And you go, okay. <laughs> and then you can read another book and you go like this and they go, kind of. And you go, I'll take it. Well, you know what? It's I'm so glad you said that because there's actually, it reminds me of two things. One of the greatest guests and friends of Rana and Beverly was this, um, you've heard of him, Joel Stein, who is I a love Joel. Yeah, 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 yeah. great guy, um, time columnist, writer. And we used to call him Curious George. <laughs> And one of the reasons we used to call him that was because here, and and this is something I've gotten to know about Joel as a person as well. I think he's amazing because Mm -hmm. he, um, he, he is never embarrassed to ask questions. And this is someone who I think society would look at and think that guy has all the answers because he's a really incredible writer and he's a really good pundit and a really interesting mind and an accomplished author. But he never is afraid to look stupid asking questions about things that he doesn't know. And I, it always gave me permission to ask questions about things I didn't know. And one of my other favorite things just is, you know, if I get a tattoo, I should, another tattoo, I should put it somewhere, but is the Shakespeare quote, um, the fool doth think he is wise, yet the wise man knows himself to be a fool. And that is to me the most unbelievably truthful statement. I think it's very applicable right now. Um, I think it's so easy to feel like I can't believe I let the kind of injustice go on (laughs) as long as I did. I say that so that we can move forward in a very productive way. I am not an expert on any of this. I'm an expert on literally portraying ignorant people. (laughs) So I'm going to take her out of this conversation for a little while and say that I am going to try and look at the world with a little bit of love. I want to thank Colin Anderson. I want to thank Earwolf, Scott Ackerman. I want to thank Cody Fisher for being super, super supportive. I want to thank Sam Kiefer for absolutely everything. I want to thank Jessica Chaffin. And I want to thank every single person who has ever laughed at anything that Beverly has ever done because I was always laughing with you and trying to make us smile. I think we're going to be in a better place sooner than later. I have two kids that are going to grow up in a world where it is not odd to see people who are different in your inner circle or right nearby. And that's very different from how I fucking grew up. So I have great hope. Feel hopeless a lot, but I have great hope. If I can leave you on one final softer note, when you just to let you know when you suggested that tattoo idea (laughs) thought that that was a very good tattoo idea and if you've been following the show you know that that means that's a shit ass tattoo idea 100% correct (laughs) if I'm fully on board that's not good (laughs) Uh, I love you guys thanks for listening I love you too